0: hello golden souls what's going on saints how y'all doing i hope everything is going quite well with you we're going to go ahead and get right into it we're going to start off with prayer heavenly father we just thank you for your goodness We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, for your great love that is bestowed upon us each and every single day. That you never run out of love for us. You never run out of patience for us. You're always, your your hand is always with us. God, you're always speaking to us in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your revelations. We thank you for your prophecies. We thank you for your counsel. We thank you, God. For the word, for the fresh and anointed word that is constantly in and around our lives. God, as you unfold this word today and as you unravel this teaching, God, we ask God that as the unfolding begin, that people that are listening to this begin to take hold of what is being dispersed, that they take hold of what is being um given to them in the name of Jesus, and that they not take it with hesitation, that they not take it with reluctancy or fear, but that they take it with gladness, with peace, and with joy. God, let there be nothing but love uh, exuding throughout this throughout this channel, throughout this podcast, God. Let no spirits of Fear, manipulation, doubt, anxiety, double-mindedness get in the way of hindering what it is that your word is conveying to your people. God, we are looking to you for help. We are looking to you for rescuing. We are looking to you, God, for saving. And we know, God, that we have been clothed in salvation. And God, Teach us that with this salvation, how to sustain our salvation, how to maintain our salvation. God, in the name of Jesus, we understand that it is free and that it is freely given, God. Uh, But with our own selves, we can destroy our own gifts, God, that we can mishandle what has been freely given to us. So teach us, God, how to steward well what you have given us freely. In Jesus name, I pray. Amen. Praise God. So we're going to go ahead and get into it. Last week, we there was an unfolding of revelation given to you, God's people. And I hope you guys took that and you applied it to your life. And you're probably even still resonating with that. I pray that you are. Uh, I pray that God is truly um, I pray that he's really uh, consulting with you and, and, and dealing with you in the way that he normally does. And I pray that there is a renewed of uh, faith and restoration happening in your life right now from that seed in Jesus name. So this is going to be a continuation because now that there has been an unfolding and a revelation, we're going to go ahead and Um, With that renewed uh, newness and that restoration and that freshness that you have received, now you need to know how to keep it that way. Amen. So that you don't turn back into the world. Okay. Um, We need to know how to keep that stank off of us, how to keep that filthiness off of us. And those that are just stepping out of the tub of filthiness and worldliness, you guys need to know how to wash that stuff off. And keep it off. So we're going to go ahead and dive into it. And I hope that you have some time because I'm not going to promise you 30 minutes today. But I hope you have time. Hallelujah. So we're going to go with the first. We're going to go with um, the the Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7. And everyone knows this. Everyone knows this verse. Everyone pretty much has memorized it in their life. Everyone, right? But 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 we're going to really take our time because what's going to happen is I want to unfold some things within this verse so that before we can even move forward, due to the unfolding in the revelation, if you agree, we can move forward. And if you don't, you can log out and keep going with your life. So we really want to understand before we continue to move forward. Okay, we want to dig in. So I'm going to go ahead and read and I'm going to read from the new King James version. Everything that I'm going to be reading today will be from the new King James version. Okay. Which is a lot easier than the King James version for us to understand. Okay. So, um, Proverbs chapter one, verse seven says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Hmm. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hallelujah. So let me go ahead right now and break this down for you. I'm going to read it again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise the wisdom and instruction. So first thing first, if you even want to receive knowledge and the kind of knowledge I'm talking about is not worldly or human. It is spiritual, supernatural. Everything that I'm going to be speaking of is supernatural here. We are spiritual beings first. So therefore I'm not talking to the humane part of you. I'm talking to the spiritual within you. Okay. Hallelujah. And I'm talking to the spirit of the living God that lives on the inside of you. Um, and I'm going to bring your humanness to awareness of your spirit. Hallelujah. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge before you can even receive the knowledge, the spiritual knowledge, the supernatural knowledge. There has to be a fear of the Lord. Well, most of us, let's go ahead and break this down because there's two questions here. What is fear and who's my Lord? So here's the thing. Depending on who your Lord is will tell you the knowledge that you have. Depending on who your Lord is will tell you the knowledge that you have. So we have to begin right now to differentiate who your Lord is. We know that Lord by definition means boss, your authority, the person in whom you seek direction, guidance and counsel from. So therefore, we most of us at least know that God is Lord over our lives. Meaning that. We have laid down. Our own will. Our own desires, basically what we want to do. What we desire to do for our own life. And we have picked up. His will for our life. Because we have now come to the knowledge. The spiritual supernatural knowledge. That his will. Is greater and better. And more beneficial for our life. So. Lord means that God is our governing supreme authority over our life. He tells us which way to go. He tells us what job to take, not to take. He tells us uh, uh, how to spend our money, how much to spend, what to spend it on, where to spend it at. He is the one that is our boss, our supreme deity, our lord our authority he is whom we receive power from and permission from now with that being said this is where you have to determine who your lord is because most of you take your money and you spend it where you want to spend it when you want to spend it how you want to spend it you uh, uh apply apply to jobs that 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 god don't even want you to be at you 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 date people or or with people or even married to someone that god told you was not for you so you have to differentiate and decide today right now who is my lord am i my lord my own lord am i going to go my own way do my own thing pattern my own thoughts or is god my Lord, He's going to tell me where to go, how far to go, when to go, where to go, all these things. He's going to have, He's going to have a, a dictate over my life and, and over my, over my, uh, uh um, me my livelihood over who I am friends with, who I date, who I marry, um, if it is meant for me to have children or not. Uh, if, if I am supposed to be single all of my life, there are people out here that are actually predestined to be single for the rest of their life. And then there are those that were uh, predestined to marry. They were never meant to be alone. So you have to decide who's your Lord who which will is going to give you the greater benefit will the greater satisfaction while the lord receives the benefit you're going to receive satisfaction and a reward and there's going to be a higher deity that's going to receive the glory okay um so yes and then the fear what is fear what is fear? The fear of the Lord. Is it the fear of myself? Do I fear myself? Most of you don't fear yourself. Is it fear of my boyfriend? Is your boyfriend your Lord or your husband your Lord? Um, so fear or is God your Lord? So fear. What is fear? You say fear in the Vines dictionary. There's a few of them. But it is this one that I am going to refer to specifically in specifically to this scripture. It is the Greek word eulabia, eulabia, eulabia. That is the fear that God is speaking of here. The Greek word eulabia, which means reverence and godly fear. That the, the, the fear of the Lord, meaning that when I look at God, the way that I look at him, the way that I uphold him, the way that I see him, the way that I, that there is when, when, I think of God, there is a reverential, there is a reverential fear. There is a godly fear. There is a, and I am in awe. I am in awe of him. That is the kind of fear that God is talking about. Godly, reverential fear that is the kind of fear like the utmost respect more than anybody in the world the the utmost respect and that fear is mingled with love that's the kind of fear that's mingled with love And that is the kind of fear that God wants us to um, have for him. Not the kind of fear that makes you afraid or fearful or frightful or cowardly. That is not that type of fear because though that type of fear belongs to the transgressor, belongs to the transgressor, transgressors have cowardly fear frightful fear and we are not transgressors. We are God's children and so we are to look to him in awe and utmost respect. So the fear of the Lord, the reverence of the Lord, honoring him, commemorating his glory, uh, 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 worshiping him, uh, uh, being in awe of him, bathing in him, is the beginning of knowledge, receiving the very knowledge that is of God, the very knowledge that uh, that is of God, that belongs to God, that God has. You cannot receive his knowledge if there is no fear, if there is no respect, if there is no honor there, there, you cannot receive his knowledge. But fools, fools are those that are morally deficient. They're morally deficient, which means they lack. They are malnourished in morality. And because we belong to God and we serve a morally perfect God, our thoughts and our ways ought to be in sync with his thoughts and his ways. So therefore, the more we embed ourselves in God, the more we bathe ourselves in him, the more we read his word, we leave our foolish and childish ways and we begin to grow up and develop ourselves morally within God. But the word says that, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools, according to the word of God, are people that lack moral. Okay. And so therefore, if someone is trying to give them wisdom, or instruction from with biblical support and backing with God himself. And they reject that they are deficient in morals. They are malnourished. They are starved of morality and it cannot be gained because when you reject his morality, you reject him overall the fear of the Lord. So do we agree? The fear is the reverential In all glory, worshiping, utmost respect of the Lord, which is God, Lord is your boss, just the supreme authority that God. Governs your everyday life, your every decision. He is your decision maker. He is who He is who you consult with. He is who gives you that wise counsel. He is who directs your ways, places you on a firm footing and level ground. Is He your Lord? You have to decide that today before you begin. Because I'm going to keep going. So you have to decide that before you begin, or or you won according to the word of God that is morally deficient. Therefore you reject his wisdom and his instruction. It says you despise it, which means you actually hate it. You hate it. You don't like being corrected. You always have a rebuttal. You're always justifying. There's always something because fools justify. And I think I talked about this earlier in my podcast early, early on, there are four types of fools. So you can look at that too i'm not gonna go back on that but yeah so if we've come to an agreement then we can move forward okay we are going to move forward hallelujah so we have we're gonna move forward to isaiah hallelujah we're gonna move forward to isaiah 55 verse 7 isaiah 55 verse 7 okay so isaiah now now that you have this You, you, you have that teaching. You understand the fear of the Lord is the beginning of supernatural spiritual knowledge. Okay. Okay. We're not talking about human knowledge here. Okay. Because we know human knowledge is foolish. So 55, seven, if you agree with this and understand this, we can move forward. 55, seven says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts let him return to the lord i'm going to read that again let the wicked forsake his way and let the unrighteous man his thoughts hallelujah hallelujah thank you jesus so basically um we want to get an understanding of this as well Okay, we are definitely going to get an understanding of this. So basically, we 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 all know that um, here God is talking about the malicious, the malicious, wicked, evil one. And that in Greek is Paneros, Paneros. God said, let the malicious because it says, let the wicked forsake his way. Let the malicious evil one forsake his way and the unrighteous man, his thoughts. So let the wicked, let the malicious person forsake his way. A, 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 a person that is wicked is always going to do things that is in association with wickedness. Okay. So we have to understand first, in order to forsake wickedness, you need to understand the, what, what spirits of wickedness you need to denounce, that you need to renounce, that you need to rebuke. Because... Because here's the thing. You have to forsake it. You have to you you have to break the ties. You have to let go. You have to no longer cling to what you to what you used to cling to. You have to now you have to now shake up what built the what built your foundation, which was not right in the first place. So in order to forsake that thing, which is wicked, because if you just leave without breaking anything or rebuking anything or renouncing anything, and you leave and come unto God, that wickedness is still upon you. Now, can God clean you from this? Absolutely. However, if you and your heart and mind is not set on on renouncing that very demon that held you captive to do such wicked things, you're going to find yourself back in that same in those same situations with that same wicked spirit. So to forsake the wicked way to cut and sever the ties to leave no longer cling to. You must renounce, you must identify and renounce the wicked spirit that is holding and having you captive. Now, you may say, I don't know what that is. I just know I'm in bondage with it. I just know I'm in cahoots with it. Therefore, if you have a desire and a willingness to leave and you want to go the right way, God's way, the only way, then you turn to God and say, God. Help me reveal to me this wicked spirit, Lord, that has helped me for so long, God, and suppressed my mind and my spirit and has helped me hostile in doing the things that it so desired and not what you desired for me. Pray that prayer and God will reveal that to you. He will reveal that to you. He really will. And I know it. I know it because I've been in that situation. So In order to, like I said before, in order you for you to forsake, you have to abandon. Yes, that's what he's calling you to do. That's what he's calling. Let the wicked, let the malicious one abandon his way, leave it behind, let it go, have nothing to do with it. Don't, don't associate with it. Don't call it. Don't mingle with it. If you have any friends that you know you're trying to get clean and you have many friends that are still in their wicked ways you have to leave them alone you have to create for you a brand new environment that's just like people going to aa and they if they want to maintain and sustain their sobriety the first thing they tell you to do is change your environment. So now since you are forsaking and abandoning the old toxic captive uh, environment that you were once in and you're being transitioned to a brand new environment, that is healthy and beneficial and nourishing to your spiritual health and body, you have to change your environment. And, and, and you have to leave behind everybody that was in that environment. And you have to be strong enough and willing enough to say, I am not going to let these things that were, that were of my former self into my new way of life. I cannot let that be You don't want to compromise. Hallelujah. You don't want to compromise. So let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. God is saying, if you are thinking thoughts that are not righteous, that are not godly, basically that are not right. They're not right. They're not commendable. They're not true. They're not just. They're not good. They're not uh, uh, trustworthy. Then it is unrighteous thoughts that mean it is not good it is evil it is wayward it is filthy it's bad he said and the unrighteous man his thoughts you have to uh you have to abandon your thoughts and if you have Thoughts that are not trustworthy, thoughts that are wicked or evil or thoughts that don't align with God. Then you God says you're unworth, you're unrighteous and the unrighteous man, his thoughts you have to abandon your thoughts you have to let go of those things and in order for you to do so in order for the unrighteous man to forsake his thoughts you have to come up under God and say God I want my thoughts to be your thoughts I want my ways to be your ways I want my desires to be your desires I don't want to think this way anymore I don't want to do these things anymore I want to be in sync with you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians two sixteen says, I have the mind of Christ in order for you to even have the mind of Christ. You're not going to have unrighteous thoughts. So he's going to purify and purge you of those unrighteous things that are not of him so that you can be in sync with the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. So that's what you have to do. So the first thing is first you under now that you understand the kind of fear he's asking of you. Now you have to determine the Lord that you're that you're going to serve the Lord that you're going to come up under authority, the Lord that is going to govern your everyday life. So that you can receive his supernatural knowledge. Once you do that, then in Isaiah, it's saying to forsake your wicked ways. Forsake those wicked, lying, malicious, manipulative, controlling ways. Forsake those things. Abandon those things. Let go of those things. Leave that stuff behind because it is not of me and your unrighteous thoughts so that you can become righteous. Hallelujah. I'm giving you the steps. I'm giving you the steps. Let's go to the next one here. Ezekiel 18, Ezekiel 1831. Is it 1831? Hallelujah, God. 1831. I believe so. Ezekiel 1831 says, cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed and get yourselves. Here it is. This is two instructions. Cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed. Part two, and get yourselves what? A new heart and a new spirit. A new heart and a new spirit. Mm. A new heart and a new spirit. And it goes on to say, For I have, no, for why should you die, O house of Israel? I'm talking to you, God is talking to you. Why should you die? For well, I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore turn and live. God what, what is God wanting you to do? God said turn and live. He wants you to repent. Repent. Live a repentant and contrite. You you want to live a repentant life, a life of repentance. That's what John the Baptist said. And you want to have a contrite heart, which means you want a heart that, that feels and have remorse in the name of Jesus because transgressors don't have remorse. Transgressors don't have any desire or intentions to repent. A transgressor is one that, that basically, uh, uh, um, that goes against, they fall away, they fall away and they go against the wheel and some of you have done that. We're going to be honest, some of you have gone against the will of God. Some of you have fallen away. But he's saying here cast away from you all the transgressions cast away that mean throw it throw throw it away. Throw it somewhere else. Just make sure it's away from you. Separate it. Separate those things that are not of me. Separate those things that have been dampering you and hindering you for so long. Separate it. Get rid of it. Throw it. Throw it back into the world. Throw it back into the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Which you have committed. And get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. He doesn't want you to die. He doesn't want you to die. He doesn't want you to come to ruins. He does. He wants each and every one of his children to be with him, to be close to him when it is time to go. And so he's telling you to get cast away, get rid of those things, abandon those things in which were of the world that were not of me and that were truly not of you that were pretty much dysfunctioning the very design that I that I made you to function. And get a new heart and a new spirit. And how can you get that from God? A new heart and a new spirit. When you repent and you turn around and you change and you allow God. You allow God because you can't. You allow God to change your life and renew your mind, and give you a new spirit, those things that you that you used to do won't fit anymore. It won't please you anymore. It won't satisfy you anymore. It won't give you a great pleasure anymore. Those things will start to make you uncomfortable and uneasy and unsettling, and you will go, this is not me normal. I don't want to be here. This ain't for, oh, get me out of here. He's telling you to turn and live. Man, He's telling you to turn and live. Hallelujah, God. Thank you, Jesus. Um, We're going to go to Ezekiel 36, 26. Now, 36, 26 says here. Like I said, I'm reading everything in the New King James Version. 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart and put you and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of Flesh. let's read the one before this 25 i will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean i will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols see god know you ragged god knows you filthy god knows that you're messed up god knows that you've been serving other gods and other people god knows and he knows that if he doesn't cleanse you if he doesn't if he doesn't purge you of those things you're gonna go right back to it you're gonna go right back to it because you didn't receive the proper purification. You didn't go through. I won't say receive. You didn't go through the proper purification process. Purification, sanctification is a process. It is a continuation of your salvation. And 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 so, as I said in, in as I said in the prayer, or what was revealed to me by the Holy Spirit, salvation is freely given it's freely given to those who want it but once you got it now you have to ke- you have to keep it that's where sanctification is sanctification and purification you got to keep it now because now if you receive the salvation and you say oh i believe Jesus is lord and he's mine i believe that he uh i believe in the death burial and resurrection And those things you receive salvation, but then yet you go back to the world and you start and you and you go back to clubbing and you go back to smoking and drinking and laying up with different women and men and lying and stealing and robbing and doing all this stuff. What makes you think that's the that's the sanctification process? That's not sanctification. That's just your choice. And what you decided to do with your salvation, and if you keep going that route when you die, guess what? Depart from me, I never knew you. That's what I'm going to say. Depart from me, I never knew you. And so many preachers out here will preach to you and say, all you got to do is receive Jesus Christ. That's all you, you ain't got to do nothing else. And I let me say this, I agree. I agree that because we are up under the dispensation of grace, we don't have to work for our salvation. You're right. We don't have to work for our salvation. We don't have to toil just to receive freedom because God said that my this is a gift that has been freely given unto you. My salvation is free. You don't have to earn it. Which means the initiation, the initiation of your salvation is to receive, is to receive the Holy Spirit. And accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and believe in the death, burial, and resurrection. And then once you receive the initiation, because that's only the initiation process of your salvation, then you go through the process of the sanctification Which is the renewing of the mind, the transformation of the spirit, uh, 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 receiving the cloth of Christ, uh, uh, forsaking your ways. You're beginning to forsake your old former self and go into your new self. You're beginning to think righteously, to act righteously. Now you're picking up new ways, new good ways of how to live and you're reading the word and you're doing what the word says, it is a process. It is very, very easy for you to slip back into damnation. It's very, very easy for you to slip back into the world and, and begin to mishandle your salvation. And I'm speaking to those of you that have mishandled your salvation. I'm saying to you, no more. It is time. You're either going to pick up the gift and begin the process of sanctification, or you're going to leave it alone. Because there are other people out there that want Jesus just as much as you do, even probably more than you do, and are willing to. To do his will and live out what he has called them to do. While you just sitting here on your couch eating steak and baked potato, that's the only goodness of your life you're gonna receive. Because just because you picked up the salvation doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that you have a positive end outcome. And I'm tired of preachers preaching that all you gotta do is accept and nothing else. Because they're not given the entirety of it, the initiation is your salvation. It's freely given. It's freely given. That's just like Amazon. If Amazon, if if if, if you have a best friend that that sends you a gift, right? She sends you a gift, okay, uh, a crock pot. We're gonna say a crock pot. She sends you a gift, a crockpot. It's 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 right here on your doorstep. The initiation of you even receiving it. Is picking it up and taking it into your house. And then you unpack it, okay? Those are all intentional choices and decisions. You pick it up, you come in your house, you unpack it. Then what do you do? You read the instructions. You read the instructions, most of you, on how to use it. And if there's a problem, how to troubleshoot it and how to clean it, things of that nature. Once you've got that down pack, you plug it in. Now that you've read the instructions, you can apply the instructions. Now that you have picked up your salvation, now it's time to apply your salvation. With the crock pot, you cook it. You you put food in it. You cook You dump the food out. Then you clean the crock pot. The next day you may want something else. If the crock pot is filthy, guess what? You can't use it because it's filthy. It hasn't been sanctified. It hasn't been cleaned. It hasn't been purged. So you have to clean it before you use it. And and, and it's a continuation process. You don't just use your crock pot one time and say, oh, use it once. That's it. That's the rest of that. No. No. Your gift is the initiation. And now you have to go through the process to sustain it. What are you doing? All right. (laughs) My God. Let's go to 1 John 1-9. Everybody. 1 John 1-9. Oh, did I skip it? Oh, I sure did. Okay. 1 John 1-9, which again, all of you know this. Is it 1 John 1-9? Yes, it is. 1 John. Ooh wait a minute first john 1 9 let me get it let me get it i'm getting it i'm getting it i'm getting it i'm getting it okay first john 1 and 9 okay i don't know why mine's acting like this oh oh my goodness i was looking at first john chapter 2 okay first john 1 9 says Mm -mm. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, I'm going to read that again. If we confess our sins, if, which means you have an option, you have a choice. If you can or you don't have to, that's your choice. But if you confess your sin, if you choose to do so, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And then what? What happens after that? And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. So all of us have to be cleansed of something. All of us have to confess something. Now, let me say something about this too. Let me say something. Your salvation is not contingent upon the memory of your sins. Okay. Meaning if there are, I'm pretty sure the average person commits sins every single day. If your salvation was only contingent upon your memory, that means if that person forgot half the things that they did, legitimately forgot, they're not saved. They're not free. And we all know that that's not what this verse is saying. And most people interpret it that way. Salvation is not contingent upon your memory. Do you understand? So with that being said, this verse is basically talking about sins, number one, that you uh, confess your sins, wrongdoings that you have done to other people that you know of. The sins that you know you have done, sin uh, wrongdoings and things that you have committed against God that you know of and even other sins that you have just done that you know of and those things that you are not aware of. Those sins you're not aware of, just say, God, even forgive me of the sins that I didn't even know I committed. Forgive me of the sins that I didn't even know about, that I didn't even know was a sin. Some people don't even know that overeating is a sin. Some people don't even know that overworking is a sin. Some people don't even know that if you listen to gossip, it's a sin. Oh, yep, I said it. Not just gossiping, but if you're listening to the person that's doing the gossiping, you're sinning because guess what? You're grieving the Holy Spirit. It's displeasing to him. So therefore, you're sinning. Most people don't know that. They really don't. Yep. I said it. Mhm. Um so he will cleanse you from all your wickedness and unrighteousness, but you have to be willing. You have to make that choice to say I'm willing to confess my wrongdoing that, that I know of, and even ask him to forgive me for, for the sins that I didn't even know that I committed and did. So don't let anyone tell you that your salvation is contingent upon memory because it is not that is false and they're lying and you want to pray for them. Hallelujah. Now we're going to go to first John, uh, chapter five, verse 21 first John chapter five, verse 21. And it says first John chapter five. I don't know why little children, keep yourselves from idols, little children, keep yourselves from idols. And it says it right here in, uh, NLT Dear children, keep away from anything that might take place. That might take God's place in your hearts. Why did he say dear children at the end of the day? We're all his children. We're all ch- kids. We're all, ch- you know, you know, we're not dear children. He's talking to us. We're his children. We are all children at the end of the day. We're all his children. So you want to say you're not a child false because you have a father who lives in heaven. That's greater than you. You are a child and you're still learning and you still make mistakes. And so anyway, what is he saying? Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart, which New King James Version said, keep away from idols. That's basically what it is. An idol. If you have made a space where God is supposed to be for someone else, that is an idol. If you love something more than God, that is an idol. If you spend a whole bunch of time doing someone or something, that's an idol. If, if, if you spend all your time, every chance you get every moment you got to watch Netflix or Hulu or YouTube, those are your idols. Media. There's, there's a spirit behind everything. If, if you spend all your time working out, you literally and you work out seven days a week for four, five hours, we got it. That's an idol because you're whatever whatever you spend more time doing or watching or eating than you do God it is an idol it has taken full place in your heart where God is supposed to be he's supposed to be there not. Your girlfriend, if you spend so much time clinging to your girl, spending all the time with her, talking, using all your little time to talk to her, she has become your idol and vice versa. Keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. It's not good. It's not good. So that's another thing you want to do. Ask God to help you reveal to you the things that you idolize and help you to destroy Not just remove, you want to destroy those altars. Because in order for you to have an idol, you've built altars. And the only altar that's supposed to be built for is God. We're only supposed to be building altars for God. So if you have idols in your life, that means you've built altars for those idols. You want to destroy and annihilate every single idol and altar that you have worshiped and created in the name of Jesus. Let's go to 1 John uh, chapter 3 verse 4 and then 6 verse 4 says whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness and sin is lawlessness and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him there is no sin whoever abides in him does not sin whoever sins has has neither seen him nor known him so let's this is 3 4 okay so let's 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 every NLT says everyone who sins is breaking God's law. We all fall short of the glory of God. It says that in his word for all sin is contrary to the law of God. All sin is contrary to the law of God. So if you're sinning and some of you are practicing it every day, some of y'all practicing sin every day, homosexuality, adultery, fornication. I said fornication. I'm not going to say premarital sex because at this point, I, I, I feel like everybody is sugarcoating and making it look cute because I'm going to tell you the truth. Premarital sex sound real cute, but when you say fornication, it's like, ooh so fornication lying abuse all that that sin is contrary to god it opposes god it goes against what he stands for what he is for what he designed verse six says anyone who continues to live in him will not sin so you cannot tell me You cannot tell me woman of God and man of God that you've been living and dwelling and worshiping God for 30 years. And yet you are still unfaithful to your wife. You cannot tell me that you've been a child of God for 10 years and you're still lying on your taxes. You cannot tell me that you've been a child of God for three years and yet y'all still ain't married, but yet y'all having sex. You got two kids. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm not, look, I'm not going to say I'm not judging because the Bible says that we are to judge within our community. You are a child of God. You are within the body of Christ. You are within this community. So I am judging based off the fruits that you bear and you're bearing sin. So anyone who lives, who continues to live in him, if you living in him, You know, what he says is right. You know, what he says is not right. You know, what pleases him. You know, what don't please him. You know, what, what is, what catches his, you know, these things. And if you still do it, you don't live in him because it says verbatimly in the word, anyone that continues to live in him will not sin. You're going to hate sin. You're going to hate sin. Now, am I saying that most of us go now? Most Christians don't go out to do, you know what? Let me be careful to a certain extent. Most Christians do not go out here deliberately sinning, okay? We don't go out here deliberately sinning, waking up saying, Oh, I'm going to sin today, or oh, I'm going to do this today. No. Most of y'all, if it's been two, three, 10, 15, 30 years, y'all are deliberately sinning. If you're still having an unfaithful relationship, you're deliberately sinning. If you're still having sex outside of marriage, you're deliberately sinning. If you're still lying, you're deliberately sinning. If you're still gossiping, you're deliberately sinning. If you have jealousy against your brother or sister or hatred in your heart for somebody else, you are deliberately s- <coughs> sinning. So to a certain extent. Most Christians don't go out just deliberately sinning, but most of y'all are still living in deliberate sin. Sin is sin. And I understand that no sin is greater than the next. Sin is sin. Sin is sin. Hallelujah. And it goes on to say, but anyone who keeps on sinning, what does it say? Does not know him or understand who he is. So which one is it? If you're still sinning, is it because you don't know him or is it because you don't understand who he is? Because to know him is to love him and is to and then to love him is to follow his commandments. And then what Jesus said, if you love me, you will follow my commandments. Or you don't understand who he is. What do you not understand about God? What do you lack to understand about him? His nature, his character, his What do you not understand that has you continually deliberately sinning? Because if you knew him and you understood him, there's a less likely chance of you to sin. My God, Jesus Christ. Let's go to the last one here. Verse 10, verse 10, same, same one. First John chapter three, verse 10 says, so now we can tell who were children of God and who were children of the devil giant just said it plain as day we can tell who are children of god and children of, of, of the devil now you know what we got preachers and pastors and all these people got preaching cute they preaching on the pulpit and they being cute with with, with everything they saying because they, they don't want to offend nobody they don't want to rub nobody the wrong way they don't want members to leave the church they don't want people complaining on them i don't care What you think about me? I'm a child of God. I am radically obedient and I'm going to do what he tell me to do. And I'm going to say what he tell me to say. Now, am I going to say it in, in mode and methods and modes of ways to attack you and bring you to demise? Absolutely not. Because I'm a child of God. At the end of the day, truth hurts. Truth is loving. We speak truth in Love. But to the person that's actually committing something that they know that they that they know is wrong and not supposed to be doing, it actually hurts them. So I'm not tr- I'ma say this from here on forward, so that y'all can know me well. I'm not I'm not gonna ever preach cute. I'm not gonna ever stroke your emotions or pacify your lifestyle. You not living right. You living foul. Get it together. You stink. Come on now. It's time for us to grow up. It's time for us to grow up. We out here saying we grown. We out here saying that we're developing in character in Christ. And then you're really not. You're really not. you you developing character, but you just went off on a McDonald's girl for giving you refried fries. Are you kidding me? When all you have to do is say, you know what, ma'am? Is it okay if I just get my money back? It's all right. Have a nice day. There is a way to have conflict without being conflicting. Come on now. Anyway. So now we have the Bible says, so now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. That sums it up right there. That's that's basically everything. Anyone who does not live righteously. Righteously. Telling the truth. Loving your neighbor. Being kind. Being patient. Not being like not being controlling. Not demanding your own way not being verbally, mentally, emotionally, or physically abusive, not having sex outside of marriage, Uh, not being manipulative, Uh, just all those things, you know, that's not living righteous. Like when you do those things, you're not living righteous. So anyone who does not live righteously, and does not love other believers. So now you gotta, you have two things you have to decipher. Am I living righteously? What does it mean? Li- like, am I living right? Do do I tell the truth? Do I tithe? Do do I help the homeless or the orphans or widows, as the Bible so so to speak says? Do I do this? Do I do that? Do I seed into ministries or do I take advantage of people? Like. What, come on now, live, oh, and love other believers. God, am I I holding unforgiveness in my heart? Am I bitter towards something? Am I, do I have hate in my heart about a person, God, and why? Because you know, First John 3, 15 says, to hate a brethren is to commit murder. Y'all do know that, right? Yes, to hate a brethren is to commit murder. So you a murderer if you hate somebody. So you can't tell me you ain't never murdered somebody. Oh, I ain't no murderer. I just hate them. Uh, You are a murderer. You are a murderer because he equivalates that in the word. But that's what I wanted to give y'all today. Those are steps. If you need to lay out the steps again, then you need to uh, watch. You need to listen to this recording again. And so I pray again that you apply this. To your life, not just to a part of your life, because all of your life belongs to God, not just a part. Apply all of this, everything to your life. If you know you're not living right, get right. Get right. This even applies to me. Nobody's perfect. So to say that you don't sin or you don't have nothing wrong, you're saying you're perfect and we know you a liar because Jesus is the only perfect person that walked this earth. So I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Your sister ain't perfect. Your daddy ain't perfect. Your dog ain't perfect. Okay? No one is perfect. So get your life together, go through this podcast again to get those steps and understanding and let God, allow God to change your life, to shift your life because he's not just going to come in where he is not welcomed. I'm going to say it. Please don't think that. And don't sit here and tell me, oh, he's, he welcomed in my life, but you got a fifth, a fifth pint of vodka in your hand, but he welcomed in your life. What? Oh God can use me. He can he can use me. But every word is a curse word and you're throwing up gang signs, but he can use you. Okay. All right. Reevaluate your life. Reevaluate your posture. Reevaluate your heart. Please do that. Ask him to do that. And don't even go around asking family members, how am I? Because some of them are biased. Some of them don't want to get snapped on by you. Some of them don't want to get left, so they're going to tell you what you want to hear. Go to God. Because God loves you just enough to tell you what you need to hear in order for you to get right. He knows you entirely, fully, all the way through, into beginning. He knows you. So go to God who in jesus name god we pray that this uh that this word will be applied in each and every one of our lives that we do not compartmentalize what has just been given to us god but that we grow this seed god uh that we continue to come to you lord when we feel misled or misdirected we begin to come to you when we feel that there is lack of understanding god for i we don't want our people to perish god for a lack of knowledge uh, God, you give us the hunger and the thirst, Lord. And you said that man shall not live by bread alone. So, God, we are looking to you, Father, for our daily bread. We are looking to you for to 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 reset, to reprogram our livelihood and and in who we are supposed to be and whom we are supposed to serve. God, in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. I love y'all. Bye bye.